0: This week on Excelsior Journeys, my guest is longtime friend and actress April Schrellinger. From St. Louis to New York City and back to St. Louis, April has succeeded in being a regular on the stage that made her want to be a performer in the first place, the Muni. April has a lot to share about her inspiring journey, so let's get on with it. JLD, do the honors. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Saroy. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for tuning in for over 170 episodes. And I hope you keep tuning in more because the Once Upon a Podcast Network is coming together and it is getting ready for its 2023 launch. I am so excited for this, along with nine other shows to be launching February 1st, 2023. You're going to hear a lot more about it throughout January. It is going to be a blast. I really hope that you can make it with there with us. Now, in 2018, when I first came up with this show, I have told this story several times before, and I'm going to tell it again. The reason why I wanted to, to do this show in the first place is because I have a lot of really awesome creative friends, and they've been through all walks of life with me, from grade school all the way to now. And whether I've known them in school or however, in my personal life or just via online, it has been just nothing but a great positive experience, just knowing them and being inspired by them and seeing how they have been able to take their passions and push it forward and become something truly wonderful. And one of the people that I knew that I wanted to have on this show right at the beginning was April Schrelling. April and I knew each other in college. She She had since gone on to be a part of the Muni here in St. Louis and has done some really terrific work as part of their ensemble. However, those meetings that we had in mind and everything, they just never really happened. But... It's one of those things where divine timing just happens to play a part in all of this because now that we can find, now that we are finally able to get our schedules aligned and that we can actually talk, she gets to talk about taking part in what I consider to be the greatest musical of all time, which is Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of fleet street. The fact that she was a part of this, the fact that the Muni was able to do this is such a triumph. And, having seen it just absolutely blew me away. I am, I am, I've been a huge fan of this show ever since my high school drama teacher, Mr. Dameron showed us the 1982 production with George Hearn and Angela Lansbury. That was, that was taped for PBS. And I fell in love with it right away. I made sure to get the the cast recording. I got it memorized so, so quickly. And of course I was there on opening weekend at the Ziegfeld when the Tim Burton film came out. So I have had a love affair with this show for since high school and being able to finally get to see it. And thank you, Cheryl, for this amazing early birthday gift that she was able to provide for me because having gone there with her was just a true, true experience that I will never, ever forget. And I can't even imagine how much more unforgettable it is for April herself to have been a part of it. So it is beyond enthusiasm that I welcome finally to this to the show, April Schrellinger. April, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much.
0: And the dogs are saying hello too. <laughs>
1: and the dogs are going, and the dogs are going absolutely crazy. They are very excited to be on, on this show as well. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> No, but I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that finally our our time schedules have meshed and we're finally being able to talk.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been too long and but at the same time like it all worked out well in terms of in terms of timing. So I just I am so happy to to finally have you here. And we have talked before before the show started. We have talked about the different projects that I have going on, but you have quite a few as well. And <laughs> I know that there was there was one that that you were, you've been working with a lot. You've been doing some cooking programming, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I think as performers, we generally tend to have many fingers in many pies. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about that. So the so we're always hustling and always thinking of new ways to use our bag of tricks. And one of the dreams that I've always had my entire life is having my own cooking show. Awesome. So even when I was little and I'd be cooking in the kitchen, my mom says I would constantly be narrating it as if I were doing a cooking show. So when the opportunity presented itself during COVID, I jumped on it because it was it truly was a dream come true and for all the years in the service industry and my culinary background along with the performance background, mm-hmm. it really just sort of came together and yeah, so since COVID, I've done I've I've taught in person before COVID, but since COVID, we've been able to actually Move it into the the farther reaching realms, so that it's an actual show that people can watch. There's a zoom component that people can follow along with and it's it's really awesome
0: that is so cool that is that is terrific and I love hearing about all these different. COVID projects that, that have happened, all these pandemic projects you would say. Like it was I, I I've heard like people just putting together books with them. I put different shows and everything, just different ideas, different podcasts. The past couple of years, the amount of podcasts that are out there in general just shot up so quickly because of because of the pandemic, because everyone is just like looking for something to do, something to get out there, something some sort of a creative outlet. And um, it was definitely a help for me, you know, for, for getting, for getting this show back up and running because I did have to take a hiatus for a period of time, but it's, it's all worked out. It's all worked out very well. Once I started back in it, I haven't missed it, I haven't missed a week. And so, yeah, like that's, so how are you, you're still doing this project too, correct?
1: I am still doing it. I actually, one of my, my pandemic projects mm-hmm. was I I started foraging and baking with the things that I foraged. Mm-hmm. So that sort of morphed into studying herbalism. And now I'm going back to school and becoming a certified herbalist on top of that. Mm-hmm. So I hope to actually make the the cooking and the performance aspect of the cooking show sort of go into that direction of sort of a... a a body wellness, finding finding it through the, the foods that surround us, and actually, like, these great weeds that are around us all the time that people might not know about.
0: Nice. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So one of the things that I like to talk about over here on, on the show, as you've heard, you've heard several episodes, and one of the things that I like to discuss here is the lightning bolt moment, and that's the thing that we all experience See here some some sort of a moment in time that makes us want to say like that's what I want to do that's the kind of life I want to live that's the person I want to be. Now, when we met initially, we were both in the theater program over at Marymount Manhattan College. So, what got you interested in acting in the first place?
1: I was a performer. I think since I came out of the womb, mm-hmm. I don't. I I would love to say that it was maybe a conscious choice, but I feel like. I feel like I sort of—it's just in my DNA. I started singing mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. while my grandma played the piano for her bridge club. Really? in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I was. I was. I ran the bridge club circuit with my amazing standards singing, oh. singing "Misty" and "Memories" and and all of that for my grandma's bridge club friends was probably my. My first step into performance. And then it just sort of grew from there. I think I was always that kid that was walking around humming a tune, or a lot of my childhood friends met me. They have a lot, I've heard a lot of memories of them saying, oh yeah, you were that weird girl sitting in the tree singing songs. (laughs) So I think... (laughs) which is really funny because now i feel like all of my that weird girl sitting in the tree singing songs has now completely come full circle and now i'm like this musical theater performer that has her own cooking show that's learning that's becoming an herbalist so i, I really feel like i probably have reached nirvana in my in my sense and my personality right but no so i mean really i think getting back to it i've i've always wanted to perform. Mm -hmm. Specifically, since you mentioned that I work at the Muni, I do remember specifically my grandpa taking me to the free seats, the Muni, the Muni actually has, I think a couple hundred free seats. Mm -hmm. And he took me to the free seats. I probably was maybe four or five. So Mm. really little in the fact that I didn't even quite grasp the magnitude of what was going on. And he took me to see carousel because that was his favorite show. Mm -hmm. And we sat in the free seats and I got to look through the binoculars at these people on stage. And I think that that was probably the first time that I had really been able to see theater in that grand scale. Mm -hmm. And I was absolutely hooked. I just, it just was, it was what I wanted to do. I wanted to dress up and I wanted to sing and I wanted to get people to feel things.
0: And not only that, but, but it seems like they created some, like a, like almost like a goal for you by taking you over there and seeing sure. It's it just like, I'm going to perform on that stage.
1: Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I remember going back when I was in fourth grade and I got box tickets mm-hmm. And we saw Fiddler on the Roof, and oh, and I God. do remember like specifically sitting that close in that large of a theater, yeah. and yeah. Just being like, "Nope, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. I want to be doing this." Yeah.
0: Oh man. Um,
1: How great yeah. is it to,
0: to feel that sort of pull, right there, just like so young, and just knowing that like that's that's going to happen, just. It is.
1: I mean, I think that that's definitely been helpful because it's been a beacon. I think where a lot of people sometimes get muddled in what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. I've always known my answer, but I will say conversely, like on a, on a different sort of level, it is interesting when you grow up and you actually do start meeting your goals, then how your goals shift. Mm and and so i'm also really enjoying that ride now too where i thought my my goals were to be on the muni stage to be in an off broadway show to to do commercials to do a movie and i've achieved all these things mm-hmm. and it's really interesting now to step back and say okay so i i do have all of these things what's next what do i want to do next and to kind of have that freedom to explore is an amazing gift.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. And so, do you so do you feel like like now that you've gotten like the the being a part of the muni, now is it just like I'm going to be a lead? You know, like and there are you able to are you do you have the opportunities to like audition for like bigger roles and everything as for the muni?
1: Yes, actually I have I have been a principal a principal at the muni seven times, eight times. That's fabulous. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, I will say the one great thing about the Muni is that they bring upper echelon performers. Mm -hmm. So really well-loved, well-respected professional people from Broadway and off Broadway to come and do Muni. It's kind of, it's kind of like a a summer camp. It's, it's 11 days of intensive rehearsal and then a week of performance Mm -hmm. So it's a very fast and furious thing. But I will say the people that they cast for the principal roles, you know, they're Broadway yeah. performers. And I and I don't have that. I don't have that resume. I don't have that resume. But I will say I was Ernestina Money in Hello, Dolly and Mrs. Mayer in Susicle oh, That's great. And yeah. one of the stepsisters in Into the Woods. Oh, wow. So... Yeah. So, I mean, I've definitely had the chance and I think the cool thing about the Muni is that they do really respect their local actors mm-hmm. and recognize that although we are based in St. Louis, it's not because of lack of talent. It's because perhaps we've chosen to do other things with our life right. besides just living in, say, Manhattan and and doing the Broadway the Broadway circuit. So they really respect the the local St. Louisans and their talent and do give opportunities yeah. which is really nice. Oh, very
0: cool. Very cool. Yeah. As you were growing up then eventually you wound up getting to to New York at Marymount Manhattan College. How many different schools were you applying to at that time?
1: Oh, I think at that time I probably applied to probably eight Mm -hmm. all said. And that was a lot back then. That was a lot back in 1997 to apply to eight colleges for performance. Nowadays working, especially with all of these uh, my gosh, like ridiculously talented kids at the Muni and at stages and at the rep, these kids are applying for 20 colleges and going to all the auditions and Mm -hmm. Ooh, I'm just glad that I'm, I can officially say I'm glad that I'm old so that mm-hmm. I didn't have to, so I didn't have to put myself out there that much.
0: Right, right. And then you found yourself at Mary Mammonet in college. And when you came in as a freshman, I was a senior. And I remember like the first semester, we didn't communicate all that much. Uh, we saw each other in the halls, we would say hello and everything, but it was the Second semester, or I should say, the period of time like right before the second semester really started, that was when that was this period of time that we had where we, we could actually, like, we're in positions where we're actually talking to each other as, like, oh, this person's really cool. And, and that just continued on to, the, to this day. I remember, I think it was when we all, when a group of us saw Titanic. I think
1: that oh was. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
0: I think that was it. I
1: honestly remember that. Over at, yes. over at the
0: IMAX in Lincoln Square. That was, oh. yeah, I, I just remember like where Joe Pospisil and I were like directing everyone just like, all right, you in this cab, you in this cab. All right, let's go. And just
1: Yes. New York in the late nineties was probably like, people can't wrap their head around it now, but it was just a series of logistical nightmares. True. Because True. none of us really had, se- no one had a smartphone, I think very few of us had cell phones, so we still were like in the in the dark ages, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we're we're late teens, early twenty somethings trying to have like a social life in Manhattan, and that was yeah, that was
0: at the at the 90, at the ninety second at the ninety second <laughs> Street Y too. So yeah, yes. yep, <laughs> good times, which is magnificent. Yes. Good times, good times, and then yeah, as as I know that like you were very active on the on the main stage over at Marymount and uh, but then you know like once you once you finished was that where you just knew that that uh, you were able to take what you learn and just head right back to back over to St. Louis was that uh, was that an-
1: not necessarily it was kind of a it was kind of a convoluted sort of situation to be perfectly honest living in Manhattan kind of drained my soul if we're <laughs> For putting everything out on the table, I have always been once again back to that little girl in the tree singing. Mm-hmm. I've always used nature as something that helps me center, yeah. something that grounds me, something that is needed in my life. And I did realize once again in the dark ages of living in Manhattan, I feel like the kid, like the twenty-year-olds, the thirty-year-olds now, they're always going to upstate. Mm-hmm. They're doing like fun hikes and stuff that didn't happen when we were there. Right. I feel like. We were in the city. Yeah. We didn't leave unless like you knew someone in Long Island, you knew someone mm-hmm. in Boston, or you went to Penn Station and you took the train. So so for me, living in Manhattan was very hard in that I didn't have um, an, a nature aspect. Mm. I'd go into Central Park and spend hours in there and try to get away from the car sounds. And yeah. that never quite worked. So I will say... I always had this longing. I'm originally from Missouri and I always had this longing to come home. And so one summer I actually did. And through a a lot of different things, my mom and dad decided to get divorced. Mm. So when I was in town that summer and I'm the oldest sibling and stuff. And so I just sort of, it wasn't necessarily a choice that I made. It was just sort of something that was presented to me. I knew mm. that I needed to stay. And, and I, I had full expectation that, I mean, all of my stuff was still in my apartment and I had some stuff in storage. Mm-hmm. I had full expectations that I was going back to Manhattan, but I ended up staying for my family. And then I met my husband, who was actually in London when I was in New York being an actor. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and he's from here too. So we just sort of weirdly met mm-hmm. And I ended up getting married and staying and having a kid. And it's been really great because St. Louis, because it's so centrally located, Mm -hmm. I, especially before my son was born, I was able to travel. I was able to do shows in Chicago and in Cincinnati and and things like that. Yeah. And now I am doing things in Kansas City. And now that my child is a little older, Mm -hmm. I'm leaving in March for eight weeks to go do... Mary Poppins. No kidding. Yeah, at the Broward Center in Fort Lauderdale, oh, and wow. that's gonna be great because I haven't left for I haven't left for a good amount of weeks yeah. in quite a while, so that's exciting. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my convoluted way of of getting back to St. Louis. I didn't think I would. I was done with this town, mm-hmm. but I am so glad that I'm back because honestly, I'm able to still perform. But I'm also still able to hike once a week, yeah. and I'm and and I know you and I are, are big social media followers, mm-hmm. but I think like I'm always on the river in the summer. Oh yeah, I have a river that I go to, and I am in that river probably, hopefully once a, once a yeah. week because it is just my it's it's my center. Oh
0: well, yeah, like if yeah, that's that's kind of the way that I look at it when you're during the summertime if you're not. If you're not on stage, you're on the river. So just don't bother reaching out because (laughs) you'll see her. You'll see her her on Instagram, you'll see her on on Facebook and everything. That's all good. Just go ahead and wait until muni season is over, then reach out and start getting the scheduling going for for this. Yeah.
1: And it worked and
0: And it worked because here we are.
1: It does. Yes. And especially in the summer too, because I will say in St. Louis the musical theater scene, the, the, I will say the the equity casting yeah. musical theater scene is ramps up in the summer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so if I'm, if I'm not on stage, I am, I'm on the river, but I'm mostly on stage. Yeah. So and I'm very happy and I'm very happy about that, about that juxtaposition. But yeah, that's great. That is great.
0: And so you were work. So you started working at the Muni what year?
1: i Think well. I know my first show was Lay Mis, and I think that was 2013. Oh, that was the year that we got.
0: That was the season. That, the season tickets that we got back in back when we decided, hey, let's go, let's go ahead and do this. And then it was it was 90 degrees in the direct direct sunlight. It's it's almost like there was like a magnifying glass It was pointed right at us, and so right there on a Wednesday, of course. So it's right in the middle of the week. So we got to right. make sure that to navigate the traffic to get out there so that way we can get to sleep and then get up and start the day all over again over at work. So it was, oh, it yeah. was quite the saga that, that season, but at the same time, like we did get to see some really great shows. And so what was, what was your first, ex- first experience like getting on there? Cause that's one hell of a debut it, for it the really So to get Les Mis. Like that's, yes. that's kind of like, that's. It's, it's kind of like Orson Welles getting getting his first shot, and what does he do? What does he do? He makes Citizen Kane. So right. But, exactly. Well,
1: thank you for that for that analogy. I mean, wow. All right. Yeah. I am the Orson Welles of St. Louis Musical Theater.
0: You, <laughs> you can take that and run
1: with it. Uh, <laughs> I will. I will. That is now how I'm going to introduce myself to people. It was, I mean, honestly, it was amazing. I fell in love with Les Mis, I think probably like many musical theater kids Mm -hmm. in high school. And I just, I loved the music. I do remember Les Mis was the first Broadway show I ever saw when I moved to New York. I went on a date with a guy and he took me to see Les Mis and he wept through the entire thing and i and i just remember looking over at him and being like wow he's really in touch with his emotions but i'm i'm never going to go on another date with <laughs> him <laughs> damn i was like, well, okay sir well i was i was young and i was young and unafraid and i am um, oh no <laughs> I, thank you thank you here we go all day. <laughs> uh, no i think i think his his tapping into his emotions to that extent was a little off-putting for for 18-year-old April. Mm. But I digress. So I so that was sort of that show had such a special place in my heart and Mike Isaacson who is the executive producer of The Muni, that was his first year. I believe I believe that was the turnover. I'm not sure if he picked the shows that year or if those shows were already picked, but that was the first year that he was there. And so the the audition process was different. I mean, it truly was... An all-day audition in in the last five years. There's this there's this line that Kathy sings, and she says, "I'm I'm up every morning at six, standing in line with 200 girls who are younger and thinner than me, who have already been to the gym." And that's and that's what it was. I was I guess in 2013, I was 30 30ish, mm-hmm. and I was in this in at Webster University with probably hundreds of people mm-hmm. all dressed so similarly just clutching my book and it was just this mass cattle call. Mm. So yeah, to to have the end result be that that my inaugural year at the Muni would be working Les Miz. It was and and especially alongside Hugh Pinero, he oh, was wow. he was Jean Valjean and Norm Lewis, the amazing Norm Lewis. Mm-hmm. He was Javert and they were unbelievable. It just, it was, it was truly a breathtaking moment in my life.
0: That's that's fantastic. That is fantastic. And then getting through working as part of the part of the group for quite a few years and everything. But then 2022 comes around. Now, what was your reaction? I got to know your reaction when you, when you see like the list of the shows and everything, and all of a sudden you see what's going to be coming up. In Mm mid-July, Sweeney Todd, Mm -hmm. Demon Barber Fleet Street, what was your reaction?
1: Well, actually, Sweeney Todd was slated to happen in 2020. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, so summer of 2020, that was actually supposed to be it, so... So I guess winter of 2019 mm-hmm. is when it was announced. Uh, announced. Yeah. November of yeah. 2019 with Sweeney Todd was announced. I remember being super excited, mostly because I honestly knew that it was going to be as grand as Les Mis. Yeah. And having yeah. done that experience, it was like, oh yes, I I definitely, this is... I want to do this show, and I had had reconstructive surgery on my foot and was non-weight bearing for eight weeks. Mm. So that audition that year, the Muni was amazing. They were very accommodating because I, I was not walking, even on crutches. Yeah, I had my fancy little scooter, <laughs> <laughs> and I arrived to my I arrived to my audition. No lie, like Fanny Bryce, like as hammy as I could. I rolled <laughs> into the <my> room. <laughs> Ended up in a pose and and sang my songs and and stuff like that. But but yeah, then honestly, the heartbreak of twenty twenty of everything shutting down, and honestly, ninety percent of our union being out of work. I'm sorry, ninety nine percent of our union being out of work for, for wow. months and months and months, and learning that. And and I completely understood with the mu- with the munis choice on that of they couldn't do Sweeney Todd justice in the in the way that it needed to be done when we still didn't know how to handle what was going yeah. on. Yeah. So that was put on the back burner and it was I mean it was heartbreaking. It was something mm-hmm. to look forward to, but I think it actually made it a little sweeter because then truly 2022 a lot of us had been cast then for Two years. Oh,
0: so, just like in and this was, holding pattern kind of thing. So.
1: Yeah. And so we had like waited to do this show. And mm-hmm. so it made it even more spectacular. And I, I mean, George, I can't tell you that first, we at the Muni, because the process is so fast, mm-hmm. we usually don't have um, a read through sing through. Mm -hmm. That's generally just not something that we're able to take the time with. But we have an amazing director who directed Sweeney. His name is Rob Rogero. I've worked with him eight times. Mm -hmm. He is like the OG. He does, he does just amazing work, but he has sort of figured out because he's worked at the Muni so much, kind of a way to get that to happen. So it's a, it's a, it's not common that you get to do this anyway. And to have the cast open up our mouths and do that swing your razor high oh, scene. yeah I mean it was like we all we all were in this we practice in these pavilions we all were in this pavilion and I mean it was palpable yeah. the electricity and everyone was in awe and it was just I mean it truly was they talk about muni magic and it it truly was muni magic yeah
0: I, yeah, I just remember like that feeling too because when when we had when we had gotten to see this, Cheryl really knew the, the story the the show really through the movie. And the mm. movie did a wonderful it's a wonderful adaptation. And one of the really interesting choices that Tim Burton made was he cut all the ensemble piece numbers. And so yeah. it worked for what he was doing, but at the same time, I missed hearing the full ballad of Sweeney Todd during the opening credits. I would have loved to have heard that. Loved just the orchestral opening, the way that that it was done. It's fabulous. But hearing that that amazing ballad done in such a way that every single person on that stage, you knew every single person on that stage was 100% dialed in to this moment. Like they had been waiting to do this. If you are a musical theater performer, then you're a musical theater lover. And if you're a musical theater lover, then you definitely are a Sweeney Todd lover. Because like I honestly don't hear any musical theater people that have anything bad to say about that show. It is it is just a, a, a phenomenal piece of work. And just yeah. and and it's something that when you are a fan of it when you are dialed into it, then you can't wait to sing in it. And that's what I felt when I was on that stage, when I was there. I wasn't on that stage, but like I, you know, <laughs> when I was in, when I was in the Muni, in the auditorium and everything, in our seats watching it and everything, I felt that electricity that you guys were all exuding from it. And it was really something magical. And I just remember like thinking as it was, as the whole show was kind of like washing over me, It was like, first of all, seeing Bob Cuccioli as as Judge Turpin was uh was fabulous. And then all of a sudden it was just like, where the hell has Ben Davis been all my life? Oh, yes. I mean that I mean that's right up there with George Hearn. Like that is (laughs) like Man, that was that was such an amazing performance. And like I mean Sherman said I'm sorry?
1: And Carmen Cusack, too. Carmen, I mean, my God, like
0: she was so good. And her
1: take on Love It was so interesting yeah. and different. I loved it because she is a woman of a certain age. And instead of playing it as like this totally kooky, like, why would Sweeney even move forward with her? Yeah. Carmen gave it this almost like this sexiness and this sensuality mm-hmm. that actually celebrated Fifty-year-old women. Yeah, I mean, yes, of course. Lovett was still kooky, but it honestly, her her portrayal helped me make more sense of like why Sweeney would even stick around Mm -hmm. and let Lovett flirt with him the way that she does. And yeah, there was almost like more danger in the fact that you could tell that there was some like chemistry and tension between them.
0: There was a definite camaraderie real mm-hmm. real spark between the two of them that really that I have not seen in any other iteration because the other yeah. ones I've seen I've seen Angela Lansbury which right. which is one the, the the late great Angela Lansbury absolutely wonderful and her portrayal of Mrs. Lovett is legendary right. and I love and I love the dryness that Helena Bonham Carter brought to it as well yeah. But yeah, man, like there's something that, that Carmen brought, like just like what you were saying, it really is just like this almost like she was seducing Sweeney into into doing this. And yeah. it's really funny because when when in the midst of the epiphany that Ben Davis as Sweeney Todd was doing, yeah. there were fireworks going off in, in the distance. <laughs> yeah. And we were just wondering, we 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 were just looking at it just like, okay, how are they gonna how are they going to work those in? These are professionals. They got to work this in somehow. And at one point, like Carmen just goes like, but me, bright ideas just pop into my head. And I keep thinking and everyone in in the audience was, was totally into it. So it was, it was another one of those muni magic moments where you just kind of take what's there and run with it. And it really it it just, and then just to knock a little priest just out of the park, the way that they did, which I was, I've been waiting the whole, chauffeur that's my favorite number and uh, oh that's amazing I, that's
1: amazing yeah, ev-
0: everything and it was just so much fun and it was just it really was just like electrifying like every everyone that was that was on on that show just did a tremendous tremendous job and and Cheryl was even and Cheryl was even saying like that was the best show I've ever seen at the Muni and uh, and
1: we I mean, heard that a lot and that was really fantastic and I will say like I'm not by any means a jaded actor, but when you work with a lot of people all the time, you're used to a certain sound and stuff. But I mean, this, that show, the talent on that show was stunning. I mean, I I would catch myself like, listening to the people around me, which by the way, you're supposed to be doing, but like listening and like savoring the, the other voices around me. And I think everybody, everybody looked at their colleagues and said, yes, I want to, I want to be as good as these voices surrounding me. So everybody Mm -hmm. brought it to the table and it was, it was just it. And it was just such a beautiful group of people. Mm -hmm. The people truly were good, talented people. It was a joy to work with them for, for three weeks.
0: It really, it really was something, something truly special. And I am, I'm so proud of you to, Ah! because you were a part of it. Like you, you got to be a part of that. And just it's like, I mean, it's not every day you get to see one of your friends at part of, in my mind, like in my own opinion, like the greatest musical ever made. So,
1: oh, that's so amazing.
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad. So yeah, Thank you. and so with everything that, I mean, because like you said, you've you've spoken to me about the different pies that I got going, but you have quite a few of your mm-hmm. own. You're like, we could start our own bakery for Christ's sake. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I kind of do want to do that. So metaphorically and literally. So, yes,
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's, what's next for you? Like, what is it that you feel like is something that you really want to do that you haven't done yet, but it's something that you feel like you're on
1: the cusp of doing? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Well, I will say traveling again for shows is definitely one of my, goals mm-hmm. now that my kid is is going to be 14. Yep. I am, whether I like it or not, I'm a little less cool and I'm a little less needed in the <laughs> in the dailies. So I have found that I probably can start traveling a little more and doing shows in other cities. And that's something that I definitely am, am looking forward to exploring. But also truly I think growing my company Foodie Godmother mm-hmm which is a wellness company, I am a holistic health coach and nutritionist. And like I mentioned earlier, I am going back to school to become a certified herbalist as well. Mm -hmm. So the next thing is truly is to become an educator and educating people in really interesting ways that get people excited Mm -hmm. about cooking and the plants around us that we can use. I think it's really cool approaching this new step in my life with this new opportunity with the bag of performance tricks. Nice. Because it's, it's one of those things in the kitchen, you always have to improv. Nothing ever is set in stone and is going to happen exactly the same way. And that's the same as nature. So I love the improvisational nature of cooking and educating. And so I'm really looking forward to what this next chapter looks like for that. I don't know. Maybe I'll have my own podcast. Who knows? Well, I will (laughs) definitely be talking to you more
0: about that. So that's
1: (laughs) uh, fantastic. Yes. Fantastic.
0: Yes. So with everything that you've, that you've already accomplished with everything that you're, Mm -hmm. you're in the process of accomplishing all the different things that you have going, Say someone is, has been listening to you, mm-hmm. I hope here, and has decided that they want to follow in your footsteps. They want to pursue their passion. They want to get their work out there. What would you say is like the first step that they should do in
1: order to do that? I think, I think probably the first bit of advice that I would have to say is that this process isn't linear. Mm. Yeah, that's um, for sure. I, yeah. I, Yeah. I mean, and and I am a person that likes plans and likes direction. I'm not totally a a spirit of just like, oh, however it happens. But I think that that's something that I wish I could go back and tell my younger self Mm. that it's not linear. It's not point A to point B. It's point A and then you meander around some places and then you somehow end up at point B. But the cool thing is, is that you make so many contacts along the way, mm-hmm. and and that helps shape what that what that end point is. Meeting people and then honestly taking the time to listen to yourself, and I think that that's kind of the joy of it—not being linear. Yeah. Performance isn't linear, but I think enabled to be the most effective performer. It sounds so cliche, but the more self the better performer you're going to be yeah, because that covers everything that covers everything from imposter syndrome that everybody gets mm-hmm. even now, but knowing and being able to hear my inner monologue and go, Nope, April, that's imposter syndrome. How mm-hmm. are we going to move forward? And so yep. it's that self knowing, I think that helps with it, not being non with it helps it not being nonlinear because it's like this weird meandering thing mm-hmm. that it's like yeah. you think your endpoint is one thing, but it ends up being something else, and it ends up being even better.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely.
1: And that was a very meandering way to answer that question as well. But so, it was, but yes. at the same time, it's not linear. it's
0: <laughs> it's, it's not it's, it's not, not linear. Not. It's 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 basically like what we all deal with. It's not going to be it's not going to be exactly the way you want it because quite frankly, that would be boring. You have to, you have to basically kind of adapt almost every day to see where, where you're going because anything could change. Anything could break down. Anything could give you a different opportunity. But then all of a sudden, as long as you're willing to adapt to it and change with it as needed, then you're going to wind up finding yourself in the place where you need to be When all of a sudden those opportunities that you were looking for are starting to come your way.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that it doesn't have to happen immediately. I think a lot of us are conditioned to want things to happen immediately. Otherwise then our worth is less.
0: We're in the microwave generation. Like that's what, what we. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. But, but things are cultured. I mean, look, you and I met each other 20 years ago. Yeah. And now you have your own podcast, and I'm interesting enough to have on your podcast. So You're right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so so that's what I mean about it being nonlinear and definitely meeting other people because you just never know how that's going to to come back around. There was something that one of the teachers at Marymount, Pat Hoke Simon, mm-hmm. said giving advice to class one day and she said, Listen, the performance world is made of seven people and a bunch of mirrors. Mm. So be very conscious of how you're treating people around you. Yeah. And that I think was probably the greatest life lesson because it was, it was like, be conscious when coming in contact with everyone, mm-hmm. treat everyone with respect and fairness and kindness. And be professional Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you just never know when you're going to run into that person or someone who knows that person and that person knows you. It's just, it's so connected Mm -hmm. that you just have to kind of know yourself Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. give everyone grace. And that's how you then move forward.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And where can my, where can, where can my, my listeners find you on social media?
1: On social media, you can find me at foodie underscore godmother on Instagram, and then it is also my my personal one is a Strelli, mm-hmm. a s t r e l l i, and that's my personal performance and other Instagram. I'm also on Facebook occasionally. Mm-hmm. And, and I gave up the Twitter. So, so I'm not on, so I'm not on Twitter, but
0: no worries. Yep.
1: yeah, That's where you can find me.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I hope you realize that everything April was saying is 100% accurate. This journey that we're on this, this search for taking our creative passions and bringing them to their fullest. It is not a journey that has a straight line. There are quite a few different twists and turns along the way. And quite frankly, that's what makes this journey great. And it's not just one thing to get over there. It's what you learn as you go and all the different people that you experience, all the different the different places you experience experience. And finally, just what it is that really drives your passion forward in the best possible way. That is what April has been able to do. That's what she is still doing. And I know that the sky is a limit for her, and just as it is for you, my dear listener. So for April Schrellinger, this is George Saroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.